Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumwatt Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumwatt or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumwatt.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. Why do I still get nervous before hopping on the stage? What, 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 what if I screw up today? I mean, it's somebody's first Sunday. What, what, what if they don't like me? What if, what if they don't come back? Like so much hangs in the balance here over these next 30 minutes. It all relies on me. What, why do I still care so much about what other people think of me? So seriously, what is wrong with me? I'm so weak. I mean, this is pathetic. All right, Shay, it's game time. Get it together. Here we go. Happy face. Perform for the people. Can, can anyone relate to that? Anyone else right now have a, have a bit of a war going on in your mind? There's almost a constant battle occurring in my mind between thoughts of faith and, and thoughts of fear. Now, now admittedly, I, I do want to trust God, but, but yet there's still a part of me that, that I still want to control. There are times when I feel full of confidence that God is with me, that he goes before me, that he is in control, only to turn the page to the next day, the next hour, the next moment. And suddenly I'm crippled with insecurity that, that almost paralyzes me. Something that every single one of us have discovered is that the mind is, is a battlefield. And in that vein, most of life's battles are won or lost in your mind. As we'll discover at length over the course of this series during the month of January, that not only does neuroscience tell us this, but, but Scripture, this book that we call the, the Bible, points to this reality as well. Now, now here's some really good news. God's Word is, is powerful. It has the ability to renew and, in fact, transform your mind. And because his word is true, because it is powerful, I'm going to ask us actually to do something right now that, that I don't think I've ever asked this church to do before. I'd like you to stand right now. Wherever you're watching from, get off the couch, get out of bed, stand up right now as an acknowledgement of the power of his word as we read from a letter penned by Paul to the early Christian church. This isn't, by the way, a new issue as we're going to discover. And we're actually, over the course of this series, we're going to get into the mind of the Apostle Paul, the man who has done more for the Christian church than anyone not named Jesus. And you're going to see, we can actually observe how God renews Paul's mind over the course of his life as we look into his writings, as we look into these letters. We start with the early letter to the Christian church in in Corinth. Paul writes there, For though we live in the world... We don't wage war as the world does. That the weapons we fight with aren't the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, chances are stronghold isn't isn't a word that you use on a regular basis or, well, any basis. When Paul uses this word right here, it comes from a Greek word, the original language of the New Testament, a word akuroma 
which was used to describe actually a military stronghold, something that would look like this, that they would often actually sit in the middle of a city. It would protect those individuals that, that were either most important or most vulnerable, especially when an enemy was attacking. Your enemy, the devil, he's real. And he wants to attack your mind and create strongholds of deception, create strongholds of lies that pull you away from the truth, that pull you away from the healing that God in fact has for you. This is one of the reasons that the devil is is so cunning. He, He reshapes our thinking one lie at a time until you become a prisoner of deception. You can't trust people. They will always, they will eventually let you down. You're always going to be overweight. You're never going to succeed. Failure is, it's literally just a part of who you are. Your your marriage, it's never going to be great. It's always going to be a struggle. God, he doesn't, he doesn't hear your prayers. He, He has abandoned you. How do we wage war against those lies? Scripture, in fact, tells us. Paul continues. He says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. For a lot of us, and actually based on a lot of conversations that I've had with so many people who are on the other side of the screen right now, I would actually say most of us, it is time to declare war in our minds. But before we go any further, I'd love to pray for for myself and pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for softened hearts right now. That we would be ready to receive whatever it is that you want to speak over us. The truth that I believe you want to speak over us this morning. We thank you, God, that you are a God who is for us, not against us. That, That you don't want our lives to be dominated by lies that you in fact have a truth to offer to each of us, a truth that will indeed set us free. So again, allow us to have softened hearts to receive what it is that you want to speak to each of us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I've made note of this several times over the course of this last year or so, but it would seem that the words I hear appear most amongst people when I'm having like real conversations with people, people like, hey, how are you actually doing. They are these words like anxiety and stress, depression, worry. This is a topic that we're going to be exploring here again over the course of this month that very much applies to every single one of us. Even right now, if you would consider yourself to be in a pretty healthy mental space, chances are you don't have to look very far back to remember a season where where that wasn't the case. You don't have to look very far around you to notice a family member or a friend or someone you care deeply about who, who isn't winning that war right now. But personally, and I've shared about this recently, it was about two years ago where, where I found myself at my lowest of lows, truly my lowest moment of my 35 years on this earth, the only time in my life where I had a, ever contemplated suicide. But, but by the power of his word, I can confidently stand before you today and tell you that, that he has very much renewed my mind. The battle has been won. God has declared victory in my life. But I'm also smart enough to know that the battle isn't over. Satan doesn't give up without a fight. 
He's not looking at me even right now in this moment going, oh my gosh, it's just you know, a hopeless cause now with Shea. I'll just leave him to, to whatever he wants to do now for the rest of his life. No, he's going to come back. He's going to fight again. When we think about our minds and more specifically our thoughts, here's what we all know to be true. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our, of our strongest thoughts. What we think eventually comes out in our lives. But both scripture and science agree, in fact, that this is a lot of time actually what science does. It simply confirms what has long been written within the pages of scripture. In fact, I, I like to read, I read a lot of books, scholarly articles. It's so funny how oftentimes I'll be reading these things and, uh, you know, these scientists, you know, philosophers, sociologists, they'll, they'll come up with what they think are like these brand new ideas. I'm like, literally Jesus said that like 2,000 years ago. But both scripture and, and science agree that most of our problems are a direct result of incorrect thought processes, relational problems, eating disorders, addictions, anxiety. It, it all stems back to toxic thought patterns. Or as the writer in Proverbs puts it, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Or, or perhaps to put it in 21st century language, that the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. What we think determines who we become. So for example, if you're a person who, who consistently thinks, I can't, there's not a way, not a chance, I can't, I can't, I can't, you probably won't. Conversely, if you're a person who's more optimistic, you, you pop out of bed every single day thinking, I can, I'm going to get it done, you probably will. If you constantly view yourself as a victim, you'll, you'll likely become one. But if you believe that you can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, who dwells within the follower of Jesus, you will emerge victorious. The life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. You want to change your life, then change your thoughts. Take them captive. And so with all of that as kind of the collective backdrop, I want us to pause right now for a moment. I want us to pause for a moment and think about what you think about. Let's perform an honest, and keep in mind, this is just between you and you for the time being, so there's nothing to hide. Let's perform what we could call a, a thought audit. And I have three different categories here. The first one being worried versus peaceful. Do you tend to, to wake up and immediately find yourself drifting towards fear and what could go wrong and have this mentality that the world's going to hell in a handbasket? Or, or you are a person that even in the midst of chaos... Your life is marked by what scripture would describe as a peace that surpasses all understanding, where you sense God's presence and spirit with you even when your circumstances are quite dire. Category number two, do you tend to be more negative or, or positive? Are, are you cynical or more uplifting? Do you assume the worst in others and, and yourself? Did you look at your week with these thoughts of, man, times are tough, I'm just so busy, there's no way to get all this done, or, or do you tend to have a more positive outlook on life? Or are you mindful of the fact that the battle has already been won, that Jesus has already declared victory over the grave, that we worship a God who is working all things for good for those who have been called according to his purpose? And then category number three here, do you tend to be more worldly or, or eternal? Is your focus on the temporary or, or that which lasts forever? 
Are you consumed with what you have, what you wear, the number of followers you have, the number of likes it gets? Did you drag your entire family to, to take photos in the middle of a field so you have that one, that Instagram-worthy picture that is, that is sure to make your friends jealous? Or are you planted in, in that which is eternal, that everything you have is a gift from God? You're simply called to be a, a wise steward, leveraging what you have for those around you, and in particular, those who have less than you. What, what comes into your mind comes out in your life. You can't have a positive life if you have a negative mind. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so if that is true, and take a personal inventory, I assure you that it is, are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? Now, now full transparency, when, when I took an honest inventory of my own thoughts, I, I wasn't particularly excited about where I was heading. Um, the, the, the most damning of those three categories for me was, was when I look at the negative versus, versus the positive. I, I can be a pretty cynical person. I can be quick to focus on the negative. I, I often, even in the midst of the overwhelmingly positive, I, I tend to hyper-focus on the little bit that could have been better. And, and what we're going to do here over again, the course of January, is go on a journey we're going to take a look at the Apostle Paul, and, and we're going to ask God to renew our minds with, with truth. And, and so today what we're going to be doing is kind of laying a foundation that we're going to build upon in the weeks to come so that we can actually win that war in our minds. We're going to allow God to change our thinking so that he can then in turn change our lives. Hopefully that gets at least a couple of you excited. Now, now two foundational points that we're going to build upon. Number one, Identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. What is that, that, that biggest mental stronghold that, that is taking you captive? Might it be, man, I'll never be good enough. My past, it, it can't be forgiven. There's no way that it can be overcome. I'll always battle my weight. I'll always be lousy with my money. I'll forever be lonely. All relationships in my life are going to eventually break down. I'm never going to have a true relationship with God. What is the biggest mental stronghold that is taking you captive? Here's what we need to understand. Those negative thoughts are quite literally changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Every thought, this is science, every thought creates a neurochemical change in your body. So, for instance, when you think a positive thought, neurotransmitters, it, it, they literally release a drug called dopamine. And, and so you get this kind of positive feeling, this positive rush that goes throughout your entire body. So, so somebody you respect on, on Instagram comments on that post, you get that dopamine. Someone notices that you got your herded, dopamine. My, my wife texts me and says that she's been thinking about me all day and is excited to spend some time with me tonight. I know how to read between the lines. Dopamine. And what science has conclusively shown us is that the more you think a thought, the easier it becomes to think that thought again. You are creating neural pathways and whatever you think about, whatever you dwell on repeatedly, it eventually becomes your default thought. So what this means is that if you believe a lie for long enough, it becomes default and you begin to embrace it as truth. It's quite literally the epitome of getting stuck in a rut. Now, now, as an avid deer hunter, you figure out early on that deer will typically walk the path of least resistance through the woods. 
And they literally create these trails or ruts down those well-traveled pathways. If you think on the same lie for weeks on end, you create a neural pathway that becomes your default position. But with God's help, we can renew our minds by staying off of those old paths, which then allows like grass and foliage to grow up. And thus there's more resistant. It becomes more difficult to walk down that path again. And instead, I forge a new pathway towards the truth, the truth that will set, in fact, you and I free. But Paul puts it this way in his letter to the church in Rome. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We could say it this way, do not be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but renew your mind by rejecting those old pathways and choosing the truth that God offers to each of us. Uh, Monday through Friday, I'm guessing like a lot of you who work outside of the home, I get about two hours a night with my children at the end of each day. And it was about a year ago that, that I felt this deep conviction from the Holy Spirit that, that, that I came to realize that most of that time, most of those two-hour blocks at the end of each day, that they were actually marked by, by words like frustration, impatience, even anger with the three precious image bearers that, that God had given my wife and I. And I was continuing to walk down that, that very familiar old pathway. I would literally pull into the driveway and think to myself, here we go again. What, what, what is the disaster going to be today? What, what, what type of chaotic mess am I about to walk into? I had to choose to reject that old path and embrace the new. I began this habit that literally when I would pull into the garage and I would turn the key off, I started to pray. I would say things like, God, today is a gift. Give me patience when I walk through that door. I have an opportunity to create new memories with my children today. I can be present. I can be patient. I can be fun. I mean, I can be just like the dad on Bluey. You ever seen that guy? He's unbelievable. You, you can sit on the couch every night, aimlessly scrolling through Instagram, playing the comparison game, endlessly comparing yourself to others which then results in overeating, which then results in thoughts of depression, or you can begin to forge a new pathway that, that, that rather than going and plopping yourself on the couch, maybe you actually go outside and you go on a walk. Rather than scrolling through Instagram, you, you begin to listen and, and meditate on scripture. In, in order to think a different way, you have to forge a new path in your brain. And the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to travel there again. And the less you travel that old path, the harder it becomes to think those thoughts again. So, so identify the biggest stronghold holding you back. And, and I want to challenge us today, just start with one. Not 60, not 54, not three, one. But, but you need to identify it. Literally write it down and name it. Church, th this is really, really important, and here's why. You cannot defeat what you do not define. So identify the biggest stronghold holding you back, and, and then the next step in, in your assignment and my assignment, name the truth that demolishes that stronghold. Here's why this matters. This, this comes from actually the lips of Jesus that then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, you probably heard some version of this quote before. It's not a random quote uttered by your aunt on Facebook, but rather a promise from your risen Savior who loves you so dearly, who cares so much about your eternal future, 
that he would lay down his life for, for you. Our, our savior who has shown us that he cares more about our freedom than even you or I care about our freedom. He, he longs for you to be free. It's why he willingly, lovingly laid down his life again for, for you. Too many of us, we are living lives in bondage to lies. And Jesus, your savior, he longs to set you free. My wife and I's third child, Oakley, he's a three-year-old precious baby boy. And uh, admittedly, the leash on Oakley as compared to our other two children, it, it is so much longer. I mean, he gets away with stuff that we would have never allowed Logan or, or Malachi to get away with. And I think this is best illustrated when he wants something that, that one of the other two kids have. So they'll be like peacefully playing by themselves, L- Logan or Malachi, that they'll be playing with a the toy. They got to that toy first and, and Oakley just decides that he wants it, which happens all the time as kids. And most of the time you, you teach them patience and no, you don't just get whatever you want. But for whatever reason with Oakley, we have just kind of defaulted to this position of, you guys just let them have it. I mean, they're sitting there playing by themselves. Oakley comes up, rips it out of their hands. They, of course, want it back. We're like, you guys just let them have it. He's going to get bored with it in a minute. Just give it to him. Stop. No, 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 no fighting. Just give it to Oakley. Now, we have recognized this fault in our parenting of late. And We've been trying to crack down on this a little bit more recently. I'll give you an update here. Uh, Oakley is not handling it well. Uh, And it usually ends up with him going over and then striking one of his siblings. Like he hits them in some way with his hand because he wants the toy so bad, which then results for Oakley in in a timeout. We'll, We'll pick him up. We'll set him in the corner of the room. And we look at him and we say, Oakley, you are not allowed to move until mommy or daddy say it's time to move. And there he'll sit and he'll just kind of sulk. He gets a scowl on his face and he's like not happy with us. But there he sits. And it's incredible. This did not work for our other two kids. He does not move. It's like he's in a prison with invisible walls and there is no way out. Can we get really vulnerable for a moment? Many of you who are watching right now you don't have what God wants you to have. You're not living the life that God has intended for you to live because you continue to choose a prison with walls that don't even exist. And Jesus, your your risen savior is, is desperately trying to show you the truth. He's actually already set you free when he died and and he rose from the grave for for you. So we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That that, that term there, take captive, the the original Greek word is, is a military term. It's this idea of taking something by force to declare war on it. In Ephesians 6, this is another one of Paul's letters, this one to the church in Ephesus, we're told about the armor of God. Those of you that grew up in church, you're familiar with this. And amongst all that armor, all of it is defensive armor with the exception of what scripture refers to as the sword of the spirit or the sword of truth. That is explicitly offensive. That that, that sword is an allusion to the word of God. The truth, not a version of truth, the truth. The truth that sets you and I free. 
His word takes captive any lie and replaces it with truth, his truth. What is that stronghold that continues to undermine your future? I'll be vulnerable and and tell you mine. And and I nailed this down about a year ago while I was reading a book that I've recommended ad nauseum and I'll continue to mention again right here, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. He he dedicates a lot of the the pages within that book to this one idea of taking those lies and replacing them with God's truth. But but, but the lie, the the stronghold that, that, that I was in bondage to And I'll tell you, this was a sobering experience because I had never articulated it out loud. I had never written it down before. It was one of those moments where I wrote it and I just kind of stood back and I was like, oh my gosh. It was this deception, this lie that Grumlaw is going to fail under my leadership. That this church is ultimately going to fall apart. It's going to fail because I am a lousy leader. I had never written it down before. I had never thought about it really before. I had never put it in these words, but I'm like, oh my goodness, I am scared to death of failure. And, and what makes these strongholds so powerful is that, that there are always seeds of truth in there. But see, the truth is I, I'm not enough. If it does rest on me, this will fail. But, but, but the truth that replaced that stronghold, again, we always find the truth in his word were actually words from the lips of Jesus that the Holy Spirit directed me to. So when Jesus says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, referring to the gospel, that the transforming message of Jesus, on that rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, other translations read, the gates of hell will not overcome it. The church rests on the gospel, the earth-changing, eternity-transforming message of Jesus. His church does not rest on my shoulders or anyone else's, but on God's and on God's alone. I am simply called to be obedient to wherever God leads. See, this truth, it reminds me of who's actually in charge, who this all depends upon, whose hands we rest in, whose hands I rest in. What's that lie that, that continues to hold you back? Undermine your future. I, I want to challenge you again today and invite you, name it. Then replace it with the truth, the truth that, that will set you free. I, I promise you that truth that will demolish that stronghold, it, it is found in this book. The, the only book that has the ability to transform. Now, I recognize that, that some of you watching right now, you're probably not super familiar with this thing. And I get, I, I have this nice petite, like preaching version of the Bible sitting in front of you. You might have one that's like big and it's thick and it's intimidating. And I totally get that. And you're like, okay, I don't doubt you, Shay. There, there might be some truth in there, but how the heck do I find it? And here's what I will tell you. The internet is your friend. If you literally search, what does the Bible say about insecurity? Tons of verses will pop up. If you search scriptural truth to combat self-worth, there will be loads of results. More verses than you can imagine will be sitting there before you. As I said at the beginning, this is not a new issue for human beings. Your life is moving in the direction for better or for worse of your strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind comes out in your life. You cannot have a positive faith-filled life if you have a negative fear-filled mind. So this week, actually today, capture those lies, name it, and then replace it with with the truth. And by the power of God, that truth will set you free.
No longer will, will we stay locked in a prison with invisible walls when Jesus, our Savior, has already set us free. I cannot wait to see where God takes each of us here over this coming month.